dream of a classroom where learning is natural? Can we inspire students to lifelong learning? What exactly is the purpose of an education? Inspiring students to be curious, independent, creative, innovative, deep thinking, confident, proactive, collaborative, determined, educated. Rise to the challenge of changing the world. This is teaching. This is learning. This is who we are. Welcome to the Tabletop Inventing Podcast. Our guests today are Meg Backus and Jeff Milliner from the Fourth Floor Library Makerspace in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Meg earned her Master's of Library Science from Syracuse University. For the past two years, she has worked as the Systems Administrator and Chief Maker at the Chattanooga Public Library, where she leads the Fourth Floor Makerspace Project. Meg loves to read and perhaps above all else is committed to remaining open to new experiences. Jeff was born in New Zealand, raised in Tennessee, and educated in Massachusetts. He attended Amherst College where he spent a great deal of time reading, writing, and being cold. He has since returned to Chattanooga where he is employed by the Mozilla Foundation working to bridge the digital divide through coordinating the Gigabit Community Fund projects and building a Hive Learning Community. So we got talking because I ran into uh, uh, this guy at uh, the 3D Printer World Expo out in Burbank, and he mentioned Chattanooga, and I, and I thought, what? what in the world could possibly be in Chattanooga? Yeah. Because I, I mean, I, I was in Chattanooga, you know, 20 years ago, and I mean, Chattanooga's always been a cool place, but I well, 20 years ago, um, well, so much. Okay, maybe <laughs> the downtown was just starting, just starting yeah. to pick and up the, it, the art district. Like Rembrandt's and some of the places over there, they just renovated that. Yeah. And yeah wasn't the aquarium about 20 years ago? Not even close. Up, it is a little, I think it's 91. That's a, it has been just over 20 years, kind of this Chattanooga Renaissance. This idea, um, that, I mean, we were a post industrial southern town. There are a lot of them. Um, we're the one with a gigabit internet network, now, you know, fiber network now, um, that for 20 years, Chattanooga. Um, you know, every sort of, um, everyone who's been in charge, the people who come here has been, how do we make Chattanooga a better place? Um, and it is an, like I said, it's an exciting, exciting time to be in Chattanooga. It is a really cool place now. And it's, it's crazy. I grew up here, um, that I get people up on the floor that I run into who are here on vacation. Or who are you know this is this is their tourist destination. I had a couple from New York the other day who were just so excited to be at the Chattanooga Public Library, uh, and that's a really good feeling that you know we're doing some things right. Yeah, I just had to write the policy for how a hotel key can be a guest pass to use the tools at the library. Uh, so there's like like just kind of goofy stuff that comes up because we're getting a, a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to shift gears a little bit and ask you guys sort of the core philosophy here because one of the questions we like to really ask is what is the purpose of an education? And you guys are in a unique position to, to talk about that. Well, I, have, I have an instant answer. The purpose of an education is to, to liberate people or uh, there should be like a freeing effect of education and so I, th I think of this 
space or the resources that are available through the library as being resources that give people more agency or more options or more opportunities. And I think one of the big struggles is that people are like, just like this time, this like political and economic time is a real struggle for people. People are um, really like, you know, worker productivity is continue to increase for the past 30 years, wages have remained flat. So those things matter when it comes to like, how, how free are we to pursue our ideals and our interests? That's, uh, that's where the library comes in is like serving. Um, of course, we serve all those like real like I need a job and I want to make my own business or of course we serve those like urgent day to day needs, but then we also like to, um, like libraries are the place where you open the box, that there's all these black boxes all around you. How does a caterpillar become a butterfly? How does a computer work? Whatever, like every, every system that you see the input and you see the output, the library is there to, to help you see what's going on inside of that. And so, to me, that's a very like that that should be a really, yeah, liberating experience to open the box and mess around a little bit. For me, the other part of it, um, and sometimes, you know, a space that looks like this, that's called a library, gets a little bit of criticism. You know, the where are the books, where, you know, where are the things that, you know, it's not serious. It's not not doing the things that libraries should should be. It isn't serious when we strap on a snorri cam and 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 go. Floating around the library on a scooter. <laughs> exactly. And I, I remember this, um, it was a, a high school English class where a teacher of mine had us write on uh, a film. Uh, and after we'd all turned our papers, he talked to us um, about, he said he was incredibly disappointed that essentially every single one of us in comparing this film to, a, to the book had said, you know, the book is educational. It's, you know, of course the book is better, et cetera. Uh, and he said, that's just, you're underselling books. They're entertaining too. It should be fun. It should be entertaining. And so, you know, we do the serious stuff up here too, just like there are in books, but we do the fun stuff. Um, yeah. And, but, you know, to also, to, to treat books as if they're, like, somehow in danger unless we really protect them is also underselling books. Like, we don't have to put them in a glass cage and... Make sure nothing a gets like books are great. Yeah, yeah. Um, really are. Well, so I, I like what you guys just brought up, though, and that is that that learning has this fun component. And I, it seems obvious once you get to a certain point in your life that learning is fun. You know, when you, you you get past all of the stuff you have to do, and suddenly you learn because you enjoy learning. You read books because you enjoy reading books. You know, so after trudging through, you know, eight years of school and then another four years of school and then four years of college and maybe grad school. But I think maybe I would have gotten a lot more out of my education had I had a few more spaces like this because I, I love to build. I, I've always gotten yeah. lost in the idea of putting something together with my hands. Um, some of my favorite classes in uh, high school were my shop classes. I mean, I did fine in math and science. I always say I got a degree with that. But after I got out, and started working a you know, what a typical job. 
I found out what I really liked to do was to build things. That's really what I love to do was to build things. And the, the problem is, is we've, we've, we've undersold that too, you know, as, you know the, the learning of the practical skills mm-hmm. as a, yeah, a way to learn. Um, Neil Gershenfeld is the director of the Center for Bits and Atoms at MIT, where fab labs come from. And he, he says something like making physical things and the skills involved in this was rejected as an illiberal art that, that um, it was too practical. It was, it was thought to be done out of necessity in exchange for money and that the liberal arts are not that. They're about uh, these higher things than, than just the sort of business of living. And so he says that these makerspaces, these fab labs, are sort of correcting this historical error that um, no, making things is, it, it's not in this separate category. Yeah. It's as much uh, playful and learning and, and serious. And I love the, like with the, with the technology, uh, you see things being made that have no market. You know, it's a, it's a market of one and it's a nutty you little thing. You, you know, there's the, you kind of spoke about it a little bit earlier, but kind of the populist nature of 3D printing in general, that the purpose, you know, it, it can be for one person. It can be for no reason at all. Um, yeah, and you were saying, like, it's a mode of expression. Yeah. Uh, to me, uh, something you said um, the other day, actually, about kind of what our, we were talking about 3D printing um, and, and kind of what our role is. Uh, and it's, you know, the library is this entryway that we provide that first step, um, not just to you know, what you can do, but also to the fun components. And for the people who did this, you know, more traditional methods might not take them to what it is that they love doing or are good at doing or want to do, that we can be that entryway too, which is, which is fun. Seeing the, seeing the kids who respond to something like the, the nebulous idea of computer science, you know, doesn't work for them, but seeing what goes into getting something to print on that 3D printer uh, and their eyes light up and that's what they want to do. It's awesome. Well, we certainly see that in our classes. Yeah. You, you have the opportunity to see that this afternoon yeah, and what we're doing. That. We get a completely different level of interaction with the learning when kids, are, when kids put their hands on it and, and don't get told that you, know, you, you shouldn't do it that way or there's a better way to do it or you know, maybe there's... I mean, they, they do all kinds of impractical things and but the things they learn along the way to these impractical ideas are very applicable, you know, because, I mean, we, we use the Arduino electronics the same as you guys do. We use 3D printers, and they'll print some of the craziest stuff. I mean, what, do you, what would you need a troll with a Tyrannosaurus Rex head, you know, yeah. a Trollosaurus? Why would you need that? But for some reason, that's, that's a, a gateway for them, you know, because it's a little bling to put on their their yeah. their thing, but along the way they have to you know learn how to set this thing up, and you know whether you lay it on his back or stand it up, or whether there's more or less support material, yeah. and there's all these other physical parameters that are being learned while they're doing just even a simple thing such as downloading something from Thingiverse, putting it on a 3D printer and printing it, and that's just the beginning. I mean, then there's all the learning of the you know, yeah. My favorite and, part of the whole like 3D printing, the thing that I get the most excited about is just how uh, I as soon as I started 
having access to one, I started seeing the world differently. That uh, any, um, I don't know, like any any problem, there's now this whole new sort of wing of ideas about like, oh, you know how you have like a book list, like, oh, I want to read these books and you have your to-do list. Well, now there's like a 3D printing list, like, oh, I need to design this and this and this and this because I have all of these spaces that need stuff. One of our um, patrons, um, Ezra, who's amazing in all kinds of ways, one of the things he designs and then uses our printers for are these accessibility devices. And that's one of those like where there's no market for something, it's so specific. Uh, he did the other day, um, he has a, a, a disabled client, I guess, um, who her microwave, like the microwave button, she can't push with her hands. Um, she would have to hold pencils between um, her wrists to be able to you know, work the button. So he designed a bigger button that can be you know, sat down on the countertop and she can now open up her microwave. I, you know, that's, that is one, for her, that's an incredible thing, and it's 40 cents worth of plastic, yeah. and it didn't exist before, you know, Ezra went ahead and printed it up. Yeah, I love that someone is then, like, actually in, in this really practical way, like, more, well, I guess you could say even, like, more, like, she experiences her agency, or she is more sort of on the same footing as the rest of us because she has a really good public library yeah i love that yes well exactly but like I'm, you're more interested in, I, we're well, also interested in education well, no, we also get really like hot for libraries so many opportunities here though i mean because immediately what pops to my mind is you know you have so many kids through and you have this this guy ezra i mean it's only a matter of time before a group of kids bumps into him and someone says wow you mean you can change someone's life that much yeah. and kids start like learning to, to design or something. education network puts together events to get those people in the same room. Well, we've got him <laughs> We've got him teaching. He taught yeah. this morning. He's yeah. got a, we've already put a group of kids around him awesome. and they do like they do some of the, they do 3D design and 3D printing, but then they also do really like low tech um, so like toy hacking, like kids with no arms, like let's chop the arms off Woody dolls, <laughs> give them toys that look like them, or like, <laughs> like it's all over the place. But, but for sure, this is the place where those kinds of things it's, can happen. And I'm, it, yeah, it's just such an exciting yeah. idea of what a library, yeah, is. Yeah. Um, and like getting a group of kids to think about and care about, yeah, uh, oh, like yeah. the experience of having no hands or these different accessibility, like that's huge. Well. The interesting thing about this conversation is I've been listening and participating a little bit, and, and now what what occurs to me is that we're actually talking about exactly why maker education matters. Right. It's not the tech. We're not talking about the technology. We're talking about these really human things and yeah. being like good people. <laughs> like we're also the humanities people. Yeah, you did. You did get the two. <laughs> that is the, the bias. Yes, <laughs> but. I tend to nod at a lot of things, Meg <laughs> has to say. But, yeah, it is. It's not... And that's... You know, the, the technology itself is cool and exciting, and but it's everything that surrounds it. Well, helping someone understand what maker education is, yeah. is you have to feel it, almost. You, you, it's hard to talk about it. It's hard... I mean, we can say things, and I explain maker education so many times in so many different ways to people on a regular basis. 
But in a conversation like this, it just happens so naturally that, you know, some guy comes in to solve a, a problem that he has for clients. And, you know, like two or three months later, he's over here teaching kids, you know, to, you know, how to you know, do toy hacking so that toys look and feel more accessible to kids yeah. who might have some disability. I mean, where else would those kids have that kind of, a, like, real experience and then actually go out and do something that might really make a difference to someone? And Maker Education just gives us, and I, I say Maker Education, I always throw the education on the end because we're really into education, but you know, just making in general the whole Maker movement yeah. is this place where it brings together all these different sectors of society to, to change the world in ways that matter, not just to everybody, you know, but to one person here, one person here, one person here, where it can be very personal. Have you run into that Not Impossible Labs We actually, guy. I just showed a film... Uh, this morning to the kids in the class, the the, uh, the Daniel story where he yeah. flew over to Africa. That I mean, I think that's fantastic. I mean, I, yeah, I never know how much kids get in the class when we show videos and things like that, and you know, they went back to what they're doing. But I think those things stick. Those mm -hmm. ideas, you know, we just have to keep populating them. But I mean, I'd love to get a group of kids around people just like that who are doing mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, I'm curious always, like what? So this idea of self-directed learning like one of the struggles is that nobody's sort of trained in it that business of people not getting maker education sometimes it's you watch parents with their kids and it's just it is like not a habit to work through something on their own and they look to us all the time like what's the next step how how exactly do I do, do I do this? I'm like, we gave you a computer. <laughs> Go on the internet. Yes. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. We're I mean, doing it too. That is, that is sort of something that you that I certainly had to adjust to up here. You know, I don't have answers to lots of the questions. There's a lot that I've learned just by having to do it. And the first patron who had questions about it, or you know, I I talked about our artist using the vinyl cutter earlier. Like that was my breaking in period for that and I learned so much more from them with like can I do this like I guess we can try um, uh, kind of thing so it being that you don't have to be an expert I guess to be able to get people where they want to be that you're this you're an advocate and you provide access to it and that can be enough uh, I think it's going to be a culture shift over time. It's just going to take some time for this to filter down to, you know, to the average person, you know, to for this to be a habit to wander by the library, you know, once a month or a couple of times a month or several times a week or whatever. Um, I mean, what I'd love to see is what happened in our class. We got this story today. Um, actually, maybe it was a, maybe it was a couple of days ago. There's a girl in our class. Her name is Gabrielle, and she came home after the first day or two of the class and told her dad these cool things that she was doing in the class and his eyes lit up and he took, he disappeared and ran upstairs and came back with a, an Arduino kit you know and he probably got this like, you know a year or two ago and you know because he's an engineer and he just loves to geek out and stuff like this and it completely gave him a different vocabulary in which to communicate with his daughter I mean you know and you know she's uh, what maybe 10 or 11. And so they're sitting at the kitchen table, you know, uh, playing with this Arduino set, you know, for several hours in the evening, uh, connecting some at a level that they hadn't connected before. And that's what I would like to see um, for the average person you know, around maker education. I just think it'll take a 
little bit longer, like you said, for the parents to get past this, well, I gave you a computer mentality, you know, to, oh, well, I can make something too and I don't need to be an expert. Maybe we can go find out together. That's for sure culture, big cultural shift. And, and that's, I mean, really, like you, that's the big challenge with getting maker education in school is that it's not just a set of devices that you can move into a classroom. No, it isn't. It isn't it's at all. It's a whole cultural shift with how these, uh, how teachers relate to students and well, students to other students. Uh, teacher, how teachers are allowed to interact with their technology and the technology, you know, uh, the IT folks and the schools. I mean, the, there's a whole conversation that has to occur, and there it is. It is a big shift, and it isn't going to happen immediately. I think it's going to take time. But I'm, I, I'm really excited because I see people like the teacher that was in our class pushing back a little bit on the system to see where it gives, where it flexes. And actually changing, bringing things in, trying it, um, making bridges to the IT department, and you know, getting them involved, and getting getting them excited. Mm -hmm. Because I think I think IT geeks when they get when they actually get their hands on it, most of them are get pretty excited about this kind of thing if they actually get involved. Yeah. You know, and you know, so I think one of the big lessons there is just to get more people involved in the space. The nice thing is that uh, like the ethic of a space like this, this like hack like open-the-box hack stuff, uh, it applies so easily to these different systems, e even these human-made systems like education, like let's hack the schools, let's hack, <laughs> right? Like, like yeah, this, exactly. like, open this up and see how this is actually working and then see where we can start tweaking and tinkering and get things to do to work differently. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a nice, um, the ethic translates well. Well, guys, uh, we could probably talk about this all night. We really could. I, I you know, have to uh, put me under a spotlight and ask me nasty questions to get me to talk about maker education. I absolutely love this topic. So, but we should probably let you guys go home eventually. Thank you guys for taking some time uh, out of your schedule to talk to us about the space, showing us around. This is this is a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you. It was fun. It was, it was exciting just to kind of like wander into what you guys were doing uh, earlier today. Yeah. Um, I hope I was an okay judge. <laughs> Thanks no, for being a good sport. Excellent. With the snorri cam. Oh, that was oh, yeah. that was fun. I, this this whole thing is about trying new things, and you do feel uncomfortable sometimes. It's a little weird to have a camera at my back, you know, <laughs> looking over, and I didn't know what it was filming actually, so I kept like shifting around. This, yeah. I wasn't quite sure if it was like. I mean, I kind of knew it was. Filming over here, but I wasn't quite sure. That was fun. I, I, I actually am looking forward to looking at the footage to see mm -hmm. what it looks like. Yeah, we'll stay in touch. Good luck with all your stuff. Oh, we'll, yeah. we will be in touch. <laughs> I, we, we'd very much like to come back to Chattanooga next year, I think. Um, we, this is, this is going to be a fun place to come back and do it with you. Uh, we I hope think so. We, I think we will fit very, very well. Mm -hmm. Thank you, guys. Nice, thanks. Thank you for joining us for the Tabletop Inventing Podcast, where we are seeking to answer the question, what is the purpose of an education? You can connect with us on facebook.com slash tabletopinventing or on Twitter at ttinvent. To learn more about Tabletop Inventing, visit our website at www.ttinvent.com. Join us again next time, when we will again seek to answer the question, what is the purpose of an education?